Large groups of conservatives are being duped into destroying the Constitution. There exists a deceptive, conservative-led movement to open up the U.S. Constitution for changes using a method that's never been tried by calling an Article V Constitutional Convention a con-con. This movement has fooled sincerely concerned patriots all over the country, people who are desperate to reign in a government that has gotten way out of control. The idea of a con-con is very deceptive and dangerous because it will more than likely not accomplish what those who are pushing claim that it will and it will more than likely actually make things worse. It could very well destroy the U.S. Constitution as we know it. In this episode, we're discussing the urgent need to stop a con-con. I'm Paul Dragu, and this is Freedom is the Cure. The threat of a con-con is not the sort of thing making regular media headlines, so you may have not heard of it. It's not an instant threat. This is something they've been working on for years, and it will likely take another couple of years if we don't stop it. It's also not the sort of thing that makes for catchy headlines. And it's not even a threat that all conservatives agree on as such. And this is a major problem. Nonetheless, if the plot to call a constitutional convention succeeds, the U.S. Constitution, which guards our most valued rights, from our Second Amendment to the state's ability to nullify unconstitutional federal laws, and even our First Amendment rights, can all be destroyed. A con-con would be for leftists the most perfect opportunity to do away with all the pesky aspects of our system, from the Electoral College to term limits to implementing term limits for Supreme Court judges. I'm talking to Christian Gomez, the John Birch Society Research Manager, about the need to defeat all attempts to call a constitutional convention. Hey, Christian. Hey, Paul. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming on, man. So you've, you've been working on this for years. What is a constitutional convention? What is a con-con? Yeah, a constitutional convention simply is any convention um, where the delegates to the convention can either amend, revise, or rewrite, or sorry, rewrite a constitution. This way has never been done before, right? What is different about this than the other ways we have used to change or to amend the constitution? Yeah, ever since the current constitution was adopted back in 1789, we've never utilized a constitutional convention, uh, which is outlined as the second method to amend the constitution in Article 5 of the U.S. Constitution. All of the current 27 amendments to the U.S. Constitution, including the first 10, the Bill of Rights, all came out of Congress. Uh, and after go- passing in Congress, House and Senate, the states... Um, ratified those amendments to the Constitution, and that's how they were uh, essentially added. Uh, We've never had a convention before, so this would be uh, hugely unprecedented in American history, at least a convention under Article 5. Mm -hmm. Why is this dangerous? Well, like I said before, we've never done it, so we don't know what would come out of it. And there's been a uh, a lot of scholars, both on the right and on the left, which I've warned that we don't know what would come out of a convention if we were to hold one. I mean, Barry Goldwater, Mr. Conservative, former U.S. Senator from the state of Arizona, he warned that if there was a constitutional convention, you'd have every group from the left and right, up and down, trying to get their bit in that convention. And at the end, you'd end up something that would be so far different from the current constitution that he even doubted that the republic, our republic, would even uh, last and go forward. 
Um, Congressman Ron Paul, in 2017, he wrote a, a letter uh, to the state of Michigan when they were considering one of these COS proposals. And um, in part in that letter, Ron Paul said, I have it before me here. Somewhere. Somewhere. That's yeah. a lot of stuff uh, you got there. Here we go. Ron Paul said to uh, in a letter that he signed, in recent years, the ideas of holding what supporters are calling an Article 5 convention has caught fire, and many well-meaning individuals are supporting it. These well-meaning individuals are rightly fed up with the federal government, and they have become convinced that amending the U.S. Constitution at a convention would force restraints on the feds and restore lost freedoms. But the U.S. Constitution is not the problem, and an Article 5 convention is not the solution. And uh, he goes on in his letter to talk about how when Ron Paul ran for president mm -hmm. in 2012, the, the last time he ran for president, he had various delegates that he had won. And at the convention, a lot of those delegates, they were denied uh, their credentials to vote for him at the convention, even though Mitt Romney at the time was at total was was not at any risk of losing the Republican nomination. He had more than enough delegates that he had right. uh, won. But nevertheless, the Republican Party, uh, the RNC convention, did not want Ron Paul delegates spoiling what what would have been uh, what what was really Mitt Romney's uh, party that the, that week at the convention. So they denied the Ron Paul delegates who were rightfully elected in the various states where Ron Paul did well, um, denied access at the convention. So let's say we have this convention that Mark Meckler is hawking. Oh, do you want to introduce who Mark Meckler is? Oh, of course. Mark Meckler, for those who are watching who don't know who Mark Meckler is, he's the president and the co-founder of Convention of States Action, one of the uh, largest organizations promoting the convention idea since 2014. So Mr. Meckler uh, has assured state legislators that they will control the convention process from beginning to end, that Congress has no role except that of a ministerial function mm -hmm. of just calling the convention. The rest is up to the states and not just any states, but the red states and not just the red states, but the Republican legislators at the red states as evidenced by his convention of states simulation of which 96% of the delegates were all Republicans just like the real convention will be, right? <laughs> Nevertheless, that's what he presents as evidence that this thing will go well. Uh, of course, we wrote an article in the New American Magazine about how the amendments that even with 96% Republicans turned out to not be uh, limiting right. government. They actually increased the power of the federal government inadvertently. But going back to the, the question, uh, let's say you have the states who... who call for this well they apply to congress for the convention mm -hmm. and they have all the right intentions and there's how many needed to call a convention 34 34, okay. 34. three um three three fourths i'm sorry two-thirds i'm right. saying this wrong um two-thirds of the states are needed to right. call the convention so um and they're halfway there by the way we, we could go more than that anyway so you were talking about the danger of a runaway convention yes. Yeah, uh, a runaway convention. So uh, the the delegates to the um, the convention, they could even send potentially good delegates. Let's just hypothetically say they send the most conservative member of the legislature, mm -hmm. which is also an unlikely uh, possibility. But even if they do send really conservative delegates, who is to say that really conservative delegates won't get sidelined just like Ron Paul's delegates were at the Republican National Convention? In fact, conventions... You know who, rule, who always rules or controls the convention? The person with the gavel. 
Right. Uh, and re- the Republican convention, the Democratic National Convention, the establishment insiders who run those conventions always see to it that any kind of opposition that strays slightly from the official established line does not get a voice to speak at the convention. In fact, even our very own Gary Benoit, the editor of the uh, New American magazine, um, he was a, a candidate in the 1976 Democratic uh, uh, convention. Actually, it was, no, the 1980 Democratic Convention, I believe it was. Uh, no, it was, it was 1976, actually. It was, it was 1976. Somewhere around there. Yeah, it right. was 76. He was a, a delegate supporting uh, McGovern for the presidential nomination mm-hmm. of, of the Democratic Party. And uh, Gary Benoit was nominated as, vice, as a vice presidential candidate. And he was asked to, to speak uh, uh, at the convention well, a delegate for him, a representative who nominated him was going to speak, mm-hmm. and their speech was intended to expose the Carter machine, how Carter was for big oil yeah. and was connected with a trilateral commission, the establishment. And as soon as the representative for Gary Benoit started speaking out against Jimmy Carter that he was for big oil, they cut off the mic, went to commercial break, and, th- and that's the kind of thing you could expect to see at a modern Article 5 convention. Those wheeling control of the gavel will make sure that any real conservative voices yeah. don't have uh, much say. And that's how it is in Congress and at the state level. Constitutionalists are always, if they're even there, um, a minority, and they don't control the direction of even what the Republican Party does mm-hmm. in either Congress or state uh, legislators. So even if, if those the, this movement for... Um the, the convention of states movement is sincere, you know, because we have our questions about that. The The biggest crux for us seems to be that this is more than likely going to turn into a runaway convention, um, right? The, the Federalist, you and I both have this article, we've been passing it around headquarters, did a piece on February 16th called Why is the Right Betting the Constitution on an Article 5 Convention? And right beneath it, it says, if leftists can rig elections, they can certainly rig a constitutional convention. And that would be a major disaster. And I thought the author, I think we all did, Elaine Donnelly, had some amazing, amazing points. Um, I, I wanted to read some, and then we can continue to talk about that. Um, she said, uh, Donnelly, it doesn't matter what they promise, however, or which organization support or oppose the CONCON. What matters is who shows up. Liberal activists would crash the CONCON party and whatever ratification pr- process ensues. This would not be hard to do, so why wouldn't they? She also says, it's unclear what the role of all 50 states would be, but they are, of course, blue as well as red. This means that liberal activists will have full access to any constitutional convention. And I'll read one more. Participants would include not just conservative Republicans, uh, but Democrats, rhinos, socialists, Green New Dealers, Supreme Court Packers, gun controllers, police defunders, big spenders, Roe v. Wade codifiers, teachers unions, Anthony Fauci fans. Man, we don't want those guys there. Electoral college critics, race-obsessed work wokesters, social justice warriors, and peaceniks who would balance the federal budget by disbanding the Department of Defense. This is so, so dangerous. And it turned, I mean, we're not the only ones who are saying there's no way to control this. And they could upend everything about the Constitution. It's worked for 200 years, you know. Um, what, what, the, what do we propose 
because people are desperate, right? This is their, I think they're praying. We know that they're praying on, on people who, who see what's happening. And the government is out of control. It's, uh, some would argue that it's been you know, taken over by very un-American people. And they're going, and they're going from state to state, and they're saying, look, we propose term, term limits, right? And we propose balancing the budget. What's wrong with that? You know, this is really just another classic example of the snake oil salesman of the 19th century. Uh, the person who comes with a cart full of glass bottles and inside is this magical elixir that can cure all of your problems from tummy aches to baldness to whatever issue you have that you want a remedy for. Yeah. And um, that's what the Convention of States is. That they basically, uh, COS uh, did a poll in the past and they looked at what are the most popular amendments that Americans would like to see added to the Constitution. Not giving them any context, just, just figuring out on top of your mind what would you what you'd like to see in the constitution the most popular one is the balanced budget amendment of which there's a whole separate effort mm. for that in, in in the convention route outside of cos uh and the term limits which is very popular with a lot of people who don't really think too much about the ramifications of term limits it just sounds like a good idea a good band-aid yeah. to the current problem uh, so COS runs with those in the uh, in the convention. But when Meckler does his interviews or other advocates of an Article Five convention uh, peddle the idea of the convention, they normally start they they start throwing in other ideas that can be added to the Constitution, such as an amendment to keep the Supreme Court uh, judges at nine to pro- to prohibit court packing in the future, mm-hmm. or an amendment to give the states the ability to veto. Whatever Congress uh, does, which is at, which Meckler in a very recent interview that he did with Bill O'Reilly. This interview is available on Bill O'Reilly's YouTube channel and wherever his social media accounts are. Um, he interviewed Meckler uh, just uh, very very recently, and in the interview, Meckler said he would love to see that come out of a convention, the amendment where uh, a group of states, maybe like three fifths of the states, something along those lines, could veto. legislation passed by Congress. Now, that may sound like a very good idea on the surface, but if you think about it, the Constitution already gives us something far better than that with the ability of one state. Article 6, which is the real answer, not Article 5, the idea of nullification or interposition, which is the concept that if the federal government passes a law that is not in pursuance to the Mm. U.S. Constitution, or they pass something that's clearly unconstitutional, the Congress passes it, the president signs it, and the courts don't complain about it. Mm-hmm. Is it over? No. The states have the ability and the obligation as legislators who take an oath to the U.S. Constitution, who have sworn off to the Constitution, to only uphold the laws which are in pursuance of the Constitution, which means that they have an obligation to not uphold laws that are not made in pursuance of the Constitution. And the the way states would go about that is simply saying... Okay, you pass this law that tells us to do this or to go yeah. along with this program. We refuse. We are not going to do it. We'll pass a bill saying we're not going to do it. And it's just one state saying no. And a good example of that in recent history could be the Real ID Act um, in the early mid-2000s, certainly after 9-11, where a lot of states did not want to go along with Real ID. And they really pushed that back um, 
from the implementation date mm-hmm. that the George W. Bush administration initially sought for that. Um, so states can nullify with, with just one state. This idea that Meckler wants to see out of a convention calls for a group of states having to um, agree to nullify yeah. federal law. When they can already do it. Yeah, with one. So yeah. it's, a- it's actually setting the bar higher, uh, higher yeah. and making it easier for the federal government to constitutionally get away with unconstitutional legislation. Right. So Meckler needs to think that one out because it's not a very good idea. Well, we have a video, what's it called? Don't change it, obey it. Absolutely. And that's That's one of our major arguments is that uh, – they're already not following the Constitution. You know, on this show, we've gone through several departments that exist that, that have no constitutional uh, uh, permission to begin with. And, of course, we've seen uh, SCOTUS uh, shoot down unconstitutional laws and whatnot. So so there's so much evidence they're already not doing. Um, let's talk about term limits. What's, what's wrong with term limits? Because that sounds appealing, too, uh, right? What's wrong with term limits? Well, well, we already have term limits in a way. They're called federal elections when it comes to the, the federal offices. Um, we get to vote every every two years for members of the House and 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 uh, and, and one third of the members of the U.S. Senate. Uh, and every four years, we have the ability to participate in the U.S. presidential election. Uh, we have term limits on the U.S. presidents. Um, Ever since uh, you know the the FDR and Harry Truman administration, that amendment was tacked on by Republicans to prevent another FDR. Uh, well, did we have we necessarily gotten more constitutional presidents because now we can term out a potential FDR? I mean, uh, most of the presidents we've had since FDR have not been constitutional. Mm-hmm. So if you want a real good example of a constitutional-looking president, you have to look back at the time when they when there was no presidential term limits and they could run uh, as many times as they wanted. Even though they didn't, they chose to follow the tradition established by George Washington. Look at presidents like Calvin Coolidge, Warren Harding, and Grover Cleveland for constitutionalist models for the presidency. So we have term limits for the presidency. It hasn't given us better presidents like the ones we had prior to FDR overall. And uh, also, when you have term limits, you're taking rights away from the people. You're telling the people of a particular district, if you like your congressman or congresswoman, and she's doing a great job, let's say she's even a constitutionalist, Mm -hmm. 100% score, well, she's term limited out now. You can't vote to reelect her. So how does that make things better? Now, the idea is, well, we're going to get rid of people like Pelosi and Schumer. They've really been in there too long, and the term limits will term limit them out. But I agree with what Thomas Massey said in a recent interview on Timcast, where uh, Thomas Massey said the problem, he doesn't really blame people like AOC or or Pelosi even. The, The people really at fault are the people who keep voting for people like right. AOC. Like, who's going to come out of those districts? It's going to be somewhat the yeah. same, right? So if you term limit Chuck Schumer and he's gone, who replaces Chuck Schumer? I mean, Hillary Clinton is a, is a good example for this. She, uh, after being first lady, uh, she served as the United States senator for the state of New York. Um, she term limited herself when she decided to run for president in 2008. She said, I'm not going to run for president and be senator at the same time. So I'll you know step down from the Senate, run for president. Uh, and she didn't get the nomination. She was really close, and Barack Obama was kind enough to offer her Secretary of State, so she still got to be in the executive branch. Right. So she so she left uh, the, the Senate seat in New York. Well, what happened? Well, someone replaced her, uh, Senator Gillibrand, 
Look at Senator Gillibrand's <laughs> voting record. It's she's another Democrat, not yeah. not as well known maybe as Schumer or Hillary was, but she votes exactly the same as Hillary did before, mm. exactly the same as Chuck Schumer votes. She has a dismal Freedom Index score. So changing the person in office is not as effective as changing the electorate, and you change the electorate right. by educating them. By the way, you want to plug the congressional scorecard really quick for uh, those listening and watching? How would you know who's constitu- who votes constitutionally? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the New Americans, the Freedom Index uh, congressional scorecard, which is on thenewamerican.com, not on jbs.org, but thenewamerican.com, also all on the freedomindex.com. Uh, uh, Comms for that one, but it's they have, they have a separate website. As we'll well. also have a link. Yeah, we'll, we'll have, have a link below. It, but, but for sure, it's on thenewamerican.com. Click on the yeah. Freedom Index tab up there, and then you'll find the um, both the Freedom Index, mm-hmm. which has uh, scores for every member of Congress. It's it's printed. Uh, in, in the New American Magazine quarterly, so because there's a, there's a, a Congress every two years, so yeah. each for each Congress we do generally four freedom in, indices, so they'll come out like about every six months, and we rate every member of the House and Senate based on the top ten votes or most important votes uh, that occurred in that last six month time frame, and we rate them whether the vote was constitutional or not. Uh, and then what Congressional Scorecard does is uh, it's an individual. Um, document or scorecard on one particular legislator, which you could print uh, for either the member of the House who represents your congressional district or for the two U.S. senators that serve um, in your state. And these are bo- oh, these are all great tos- uh, tools, right. the Congressional Scorecard and the Freedom Index, and that they're educational tools that show you, mm-hmm. and if you pass them out to others, you can show others how their U.S. senator or their U.S. representatives are voting on key right. uh, issues. This is, this is the key, like you said, getting the people out there who are already not obeying the Constitution, and there's nothing wrong with the Constitution. Now, I wanted to point out one more – I wanted to point out an instance that uh, leftists are licking their chops at a con-con too, uh, although it seems that it's mostly being um, put out there for conservatives to take up and as their cause. This uh, – the nation – one of the longest-standing leftist magazines uh, wrote an article in 2017 advocating for a, a con-con. And the reason they advocated is because they saw no problem would have any impact. They talked about the thing, they could finally get all those things that they wanted passed in there. They can uh, get rid of the Electoral College. They call it the Undemocratic Electoral College. They can... Uh, uh, implement term limits on on Supreme Court justices and other issues that uh, they talk about education, right to health care so we can get universal health care, housing, the vote, basic income. This is what they're looking at. They look at the Constitutional Convention and then they see an opportunity. And that's pretty telling because one of the things we keep hearing is like, all conservatives, all good conservatives are on par. They, they want this constitutional convention. So let's talk about this movement now going around the country. We, we mentioned a convention of states uh, led by Mark Meckler. Uh, they, they managed to get halfway up there just recently. They got uh, Wisconsin and Nebraska. Uh, where, where's the next fight? Uh, uh, speaking of Mark Meckler and the okay. nation, I just want to add that the second page of that article 
on the sidebar there in the black uh, font is a quote from Mark Meckler that mm -hmm. the nation decided to use to promote the convention. So the far left Marxist Nation magazine right. says, we're going to quote Mark Meckler on why we want a convention too. So um, that's pretty telling. Uh, the next state uh, looks, well, there's a few states in play. Uh, one of the key battleground states right now is the state of uh, South Carolina. And mm -hmm. there's others too, Kansas and, and others, but um, Iowa. But in, in the state of South Carolina, uh, a COS resolution uh, just passed out of a Senate subcommittee, and it's headed to the full Judiciary Committee. This is a bill that I believe already passed in the state house. So if it passes out of the state, the state's Senate Judiciary Committee, mm. it would go to the floor right. of the South Carolina Senate, where it could uh, pass, and then South Carolina theoretically could be the next state, unless another state beats them to it. Hopefully that doesn't happen, but that that looks to be. Uh, uh, the next state that's in play, along with Kansas and Iowa and several others. So activists in those states better... Uh, better. I, I'm sure that they are aware of this, but if they're not, wake up. This is happening. What do they do? What do they do? They got to get a hold of their legislators, let them know. Do you think this, in some instance, do you think this is a large... There's just a large proportion of the people who are advocating this who just do not know the harms that it could cause... I would say that the average person who comments on social media and says, we need a convention of states, we got to get the term limits, and just puts like a, a comment like that, they're just repeating mm -hmm. something that they've heard said from someone else, like maybe Mackler or Mark Levin, that sounds good because they're so frustrated with the real problems of right. Congress. And they're they, exploiting and that. They've been, yeah, they're, that they're, people like Meckler, Mark Levin, and others are exploiting that sentiment. And they've been sold on the on the on that uh, snake oil, that yeah. magical elixir. This will solve all our problems in Washington. We just need new amendments to restore the meaning of the Constitution, and it's not going to do that, as you very well pointed out in both the quote from the article from the Federalist and the Nation magazine. You're going to have all these radical leftists there. That's what the Federalist article mentioned that are going to be at the convention, and the Nation article you presented. Uh, explains or, or or reveals all of the amendments that they would seek to add to the Constitution if they're at the convention. Yeah. So yeah, UBI, universal basic income, health care, let's make Obamacare, Constitution, let's go further, let's have the single-payer option, you know, like full-blown socialist health care, don't try to make that constitutional. Uh, they The left wouldn't just go there simply to uh, have an amendment to get rid of uh, Citizens United. I mean, because that's what Wolfpack, one of the organizations on the left, wanting a con-con wants. Yeah. They, if they were at a real convention... They would exploit that as far as they can. If you give them an inch, they'll take a mile and more. And we've seen that. And we've seen that. And why would we think that they would not do everything they can to get as much uh, control and say in what happens, what comes out of that? And and that's that's really what would happen. So it's up to people who know, who know the dangers of this to warn about it, to warn others um, you know, so, and then teacher legislator, you know, it sounds a little, you know, condescending because we're always like educate your whatever. But they, I don't think they really do know. We, we have spoken to several legislators over time. You know, the John Birch Society, we might, you might want to go into that. We have been fighting this thing for a long time. And we have, uh, we have volunteers in every state going in there and warning about this. And what we find out is, is just that, that even the legislators, they don't know. They come with this, this, this sweet sounding pitch. And then when you start diving into it, 
they're like, oh, a lot of them have come to realize it's like, oh, no, this is not what we thought it was. This is this is all wrong. And do you think it's telling that Mark Meckler, we brought him up a few times, he will not debate our constitutional expert, Robert Brown, on this, who says who says that this is what's going to happen. Robert has been has been traveling the country. He's been warning and he won't debate him. He won't sit down with him to debate him on these issues. Yeah, it's very funny. Um examining the hypocrisy out of Mark Meckler and COS. So after they got Wisconsin, they then quickly got Nebraska, became state number 17, just within days of getting Wisconsin, which was state number 16. And then they thought they were going to get state number 18 in South Dakota. Um, they, 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 they were sure that they had the votes or were close to getting the votes mm-hmm. they needed. And the committee in South Carolina's legislature stopped it, killed it. And so Meckler sent this. You mean ver- South Dakota? In South Dakota, I'm sorry. Yep, South Dakota. Meckler sent this very disgusting email, and, and we don't do we don't do this when it comes to people voting against the way no. that we don't approve of. Sent this very disgusting email to the entire COS uh, email list recipients, uh, and in the in the email he calls the South uh, the South Dakota legislators refers to them as cowards because when you can't get people to go along with you you mm. gotta name you gotta call. bully them you gotta bully them because this is yeah. this is this is this is the guy who wants to run the convention right this right. wonderful kind uh, uh, uh jewish christian as he refers to himself acting very christian-like calling these other people cowards and, yeah. and name calling them very christ-like mr meckler but anyway this in the email he refers to these people as le- as cowards and says that they wouldn't even want to debate the issue well, that's funny, Mr. Meckler, because Mr. Robert Brown has kindly uh, request, and others too, the Montana legislature even has requested, hey, why don't you debate mm-hmm. Robert Brown on this subject? And he refuses. Why is Mr. Meckler afraid? I think it's because Mr. Meckler's arguments are based on emotion, right. and Robert Brown's arguments are based on logic and facts. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the two. That, there must be something that Meckler fears about that. He's he's good on that. I saw him on the Sean Spicer show on Newsmax. He had like a three five minute pitch. I forget which. And he's 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 very good. And but it was also telling that Sean Spicer, who's who was on the Trump in the Trump administration for three minutes there, but nevertheless he's been in politics. This is you know he's he does news. He goes, wow, like what's taking so long? And I think that again, illustrates how few know what's happening and how dangerously close we are to to this happening and, more importantly, the danger uh, that it poses. Um, I guess we'll just wrap it up here. Do you have any other last words as far as actions? Of course, we kind of covered them. Those states, get involved, get involved, uh, or organize, let your legislators know. Anything, any last words on how to stop this, this crazy thing? I've noticed that uh, Meckler and COS and the other convention advocates in general have been hawking the convention with the use of big-name celebrity types. Oh, yeah. And uh, in the Iowa legislature, they they brought in former U.S. senator and presidential candidate Rick Santorum to fight for the convention. Mm -hmm. They got Lindsey Graham to speak to the South Carolina legislature to urge them to pass the convention. And and it wasn't too many uh, years ago— when uh, former governor of Ohio, um, the uh, the uh, his name escapes me right now, but he ran for president um, when he was peddling for the uh, the BBA convention. Mm-hmm. 
It's interesting how when they get these big name uh, Republicans to support a con con, it's generally Republicans who don't have a track record for being the most constitutional. They're all neocons. They're m- m- What's m- Lindsey Graham's con- c- congressional score? Do we know right off your head? Well, it's it's somewhere in the 60s or 50s. Right, right. It's um, not great. I'm sure they'll have the graphic up and they'll stick it show. There we go, news, guys. It's, it's a very low score. And then you look at those who generally vote along with the Constitution the most, like Thomas Massey, Ron Paul when he was in the House oh, of Representatives. That's a great point, yeah. And Andy Biggs, who was 100% score on the Freedom Index currently, uh, and, and, and a very high scores on previous indexes too. The, the people who most vote with the Constitution are the ones speaking out against this idea. And those who are the ones at fault for violating the Constitution, uh, Santorum, Lindsey Graham, the establishment types, right. are the ones peddling it. That's so and, telling, isn't I it? Think, I think that's more telling than any other explanation I could add on to that. Well, that's Just far- let that one sink in. Well, let that Why sink. do those people want the convention badly? Christian, thank you so much. Thank you for taking the time. Folks, please share with everyone you know the truth about the dangers of a con-con. Let them know there's nothing wrong with the Constitution. It's the fact that we refuse to obey it. Calling a constitutional convention will not solve our problems. It will likely spell the end of a Constitution that has worked for centuries. Visit JBS.org and check out our CONCON action page for all the information you need on this vital topic. Subscribe, if you haven't already, to our legislative alerts and our email blasts to stay atop the latest CONCON fights. And most importantly, when the Convention of State people come over to your state, let your state legislator know they need to oppose a CONCON and let them know why. And always remember, whatever ails society, freedom is the cure.